Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Waff. And before we get started, let's go over the results of the Russian Premier League. Krylia Sovetov 2, Tambov 0. Rostov, oh, the big win over Dynamo Moscow. Lokomotiv shocking Zenit 1-0. Ural 0-3 against CSKA. Ruben 0-0 against Ufa. Spartak 1-2 Orenburg, Hui, we'll have to chat about that one. Krasnodar 2-0 against Arsenal. Sochi 2-0 against Ahmad. Well, you heard the results. Now let's introduce the people who are going to be with me on this podcast. And as always, Tim, yeah, I, I you know, we chatted a little bit off the, off the podcast. Um, on WhatsApp, etc. that, you know, when we scheduled this, uh, I, I really, I feel like I took the, you know, I get, I get, I took the bullet here because it's 7 a.m. in Germany. It's in the evening for you. And Andrew got to sleep in. So this is not fair to him. Yeah, this is like <laughs> probably one of the most uh, crazy uh, time zone podcasts we do. And we've done this before, but yeah, honestly, it is 10, 10 o'clock uh, in Vancouver. I'm excited to, to be on the podcast. But yeah, like I will finish the podcast uh, after my bedtime. Andrews already have been all active on WhatsApp, so I'm, I, I'm assuming he's enjoying his probably late morning, and you just woke up. You, you're you like in this morning coma, so <laughs> quite a different energy this this episode. This is, this is going to be very interesting. It's going to be a two half asleep man and a very awake man. You can, you can, <laughs> you can decide who is who. But yeah, Andrew, you, you, got, you got the good one. You got the good time slot today. Yeah, I, I drew, drew the long straw today. I'm quite happy. I'm not going to lie. Um, actually, just like to point out, we are spanning three different continents today. Um, because much as it seems odd to think it, I've been living in Asia for the last 10 years because Chumen is technically over the European Asian border. So, you know, the global football grab podcast today. Um, so yeah, as you guys have been, you know, enjoying your full of energy podcast for the last couple of weeks when you've had the, the better end of a sticker. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's quite, it's quite enjoyable today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair enough, I guess. You know, um, Tim, though, this, this is going to be a little bit of a rough episode for you because yes, I already, I already read out the results of the, the Russian Premier League and, um, Spartak lost again. And, you know, Fidun lost it as well. And, Konov lost his job. Konov lost his job. So, yeah, that's, that's official now. Um, Spartak are going separate ways with their head coach. Um, thoughts on Konov leaving? I know you were really unhappy with him already last week. Or the week before that. Exactly. Or the week before that. <laughs> exactly. And you can go big before that to pretty much last November when he was, uh, he got the job. 
I don't think you really. I don't really want to blame Alia Kononov too much because uh, you know it's really it was really clear and obvious before he got the job that it's he, he's not up for 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 the task. He is a pretty decent player for for the Russian Premier League, but he is also not really super charismatic man, and he it was very hard for him to keep the pressure in the past four games in the league. And if we had uh, the uh, loss to Braga. Uh, Spartak lost five in a row, uh, got out of the Champions League, and pretty much uh, lost the hope, obviously, for, 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 for the league title, but that was not never really um, in contention. But also, very, very, pretty much will be very hard uh, to get to the Champions League. We will talk how tight the table is, and we have about four clubs which are pretty much within a couple of points. And uh, I can, maybe a couple of clubs will lose uh, the the points between what we have. I, I believe there's, I don't even know how many points is it's to Champions League for Spartak now, but I don't see like all four of them dropping significantly. And really, pretty much the season is gone in in October. And um, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, the, there was just a loss to a very poorly performing Orenburg side. And um, that triggered the uh, the the firing. Fidon fired uh, the uh, Alekonov, and uh, now obviously it's uh, who's next. And one of the main candidates. There's so many different rumors, like it's always around Spartak. But one of the main candidates is Domenico Tedesco, who is you man know very well. He used to be a coach of Schalke. I don't know much about him. What is uh, what do you think about this? If he is a fit for Spartak, could you please tell a little bit the story for me and for the listeners? If you think Tedesco is a good replacement for Oleg Kononov and for being Spartak Moscow coach, yeah, that, that's a very good question, Tim. Um, the Oleg the Domenico Tedesco is, I mean, he came out of nowhere when he took over three years ago, Erzgebirge Aue, um, and rescued that club from relegation to the third division, uh, from Bundesliga 2 to the third division. And then, uh, Christian Heidel made the, the, the sport director at Schalke made the very surprising move to, to sign him straight away from, from Bundesliga 2 to take over Schalke, right? And basically Tedesco, I, I remember doing the podcast with Chris and, uh, Bryce at the time over, um, on Gegenpressing podcast, right? The Bundesliga podcast that we have. And, we were all very, very surprised by this and we were all thinking, okay, this is not going to be something that's going to suit Schalke because Schalke is such a big club. It's a very emotional club. Um, it's a club with, um, a history of attacking football. Um, but you know, he did quite well there in his first year. He did a lot better than anyone expected. Um, his Bayer's players all bought into a very defensive minded system. There was a lot of 1-0, 2-1 results. The results that could have easily also gone the other way, but didn't. Um, then on top of that, um, other teams underperformed. Dortmund really struggled that season. Leipzig really struggled that season. Um, Leverkusen struggled that season. So he, they finished second in the Bundesliga, right? Even though they think they were 25 points or 28 points behind Bayern Munich at the time. It was... Is a ridiculously big gap, um, which, which shows you that a lot of other clubs that season had a lot of problems, right? So we were all a bit surprised by the fact that he did reach the Champions League with Schalke because there was a lot of results that were very close. And that again was because players bought into a system. 
he basically structured the club in a way that uh, defensive-minded first. But the problem was, of course, that uh, everyone expected him to make the next step, make a step towards playing more attractive, attacking wide football and play the Schalke way of football because Schalke wants to play attractive football because they're such an emotional club, right? And in the second year, he really struggled with that. That transition really didn't go well and results that in the season before, those 1-0s and 2-1s all of a sudden turned into 1-0 defeats or 2-1 defeats or you know, 2-2 draws and they flirted with relegation um, towards the end of the season and it wasn't until Hope Stevens came in to replace him to basically, you know, rescue rescue the club from from relegation just in the second year. Um, Schalke still really liked him, and they 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 even I think they have some kind of contract clause that they can bring him back at one point because they feel that he's a talented coach. But maybe it was just a bit too early for him, and he wasn't able. He didn't. He hadn't developed a plan B yet, and that really makes me makes me wonder because like Spartak are of course a big club. Right, they're also a very emotional club. They're a club that, in many ways, is like Schalke, um, on of course the Russian version of it. And I know the expectations at Spartak always are that they play attacking, attractive, attacking football. And then there's yeah. the, then there's the language barrier, which I think is is a big factor um, when you take over a club and you are an extremely tactically minded coach when you want to buy players into a system that isn't always attractive, I think the language is very important. And so I'm not, long story short, Tim, I'm not 100% sold on this um, because I don't think that he is, he represents something that the Spartak's ethos stands for um, because we've chatted about this many times, right? That they, that you want to see attractive football. Um, could he steady the ship? You know, buy have players players buy into his system and basically say, "Look, look, we just need results." I think he can do that, but I don't know if it's a long term solution. And if the fans will be happy with that? Yeah, well, I mean, how often have we talked about how emotional the fans are at the club, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, th- th- this is such a difficult one, in, in my opinion. But was well, I, I was really I was really surprised when I was contacted by um members of the Russian media about this potentially happening because I just don't know if I see this as a very good fit. Uh, I mean, are there any other potential candidates or is this really it? Uh, so the situation, the way I see it and the way I understand it, that there are two main uh, thought processes against the managers of Spartak because Leonid uh, Fedum obviously wants Stanislav Cherchesov. That uh, Stanislav Cherchesov has been, first of all, he's Spartak legend, he's Spartak captain, former, he coached Spartak, and recently uh, at the home games, uh, they share the, the VIP um, section with Leonid Fedun and Stanislav Cherchesov. So they watch games together. Obviously, <clears throat> and Leonid Fedun was very, very, very um, respectful and uh, when he talked about the success of which Russia had in the World Cup 2019. That's obvious, but uh, Russian Premier League, sorry, the Russian national team won't let Stanislav Cherchesov go because, like, it's it's such a big project. Um, the Russian national team is doing very well. Uh, I don't see an opportunity for him to do both jobs at the same time. I think he will be focused on Russian national team until Euro 2020. <clears throat> so that's that's the solution. That's why I think Alek Kononov was 
kind of like interim version, even he was a head coach. Still, the hope was, I think, Fidun's idea was that he will somehow last the season and then he will get uh, let go and the Stanislav Chochesov comes in. But uh, it's not possible right now. So you have really someone who needs to come in for literally for, what, seven months and then do the job. Nobody, no coach will do that. On the other hand, there's a new uh, sporting director. His name is Thomas Thorne. Very, very young, uh, play, uh, very, very young uh, gentleman. He is, uh, he's Russian, but he was, uh, he was raised in Germany. So he has lots of uh, contacts in Germany. And obviously he is pushing his person, um, and his, his choices for some reason. I don't know why it is, uh, Tedesco. So there, this, this, there's two main thoughts. And there's also have been rumors about like an interim decision, which in my opinion, I think would have been the right decision if really they can get Stanislav Cherchesov to get someone uh, who will uh, pretty much finish the season. And then, you know, obviously nobody will come in to do just the job for seven months because it's disrespectful. Yeah, just come in and then we, we will get, we will fire you. But maybe to get the job right now and then join Stanislav Cherchesov as a member of his assistant team. I think this would have been a solution, but, you know, obviously that's, uh, that's not up for me to say. So that's why, that's how Tedesco comes in. Why Thomas Sorn decided on him? I have no idea. That's because if even if he wants a German coach, I think you can find a little bit more credible and a little bit more experienced uh, <coughs> solutions. But at the same time, Thomas Sorn is trying to put his name into the club and uh, bring in his, you know, his coach and <coughs> pretty much the person of his age. Maybe that's that's the idea. I don't know. Well, maybe Andrew, Tom, maybe Tedesco will prove us wrong. You know, and walk in and. Just completely rehaul Spartak Moscow. I mean, to be honest with you, anything's possible with Spartak. Um, from what I've seen of Tedesco himself, uh, most recently was last season when he brought Schalke to to play Lokomotiv Moscow, and it was just soporific football. It was just dreadful. I think it would be a mistake, pretty much all round. Although I don't know, part of me thinks it's the torn you know, German connection that has sparked these rumours and maybe it'll end up happening. I just think it would be a mistake. Um, and at this stage, it's very hard to know what the best type of appointment is for Sparta. Um, I think Tim's suggestion of some sort of an interim, because at, at this point, if you try and appoint a full-time, long-term coach who's actually available, who's going to do a good job. We mentioned Berdeev as an option, but he's also a defensive coach. So would he, would he fit Sparta? He's a good quality coach. The language barrier isn't there, obviously, but is he the right style of coach? I don't know. Um, it's very difficult, long story short. I think, actually, the the idea of bringing someone in who has the understanding that they are looking after the club until next summer to then you know stay with the club as a coach, as part of a coaching team, probably makes sense. You could almost basically say at this stage, the season is a write-off for Sparta, like Tim suggested. Um, I, I don't think that is being negative. I think that's being sensible long-term. Um, there's no point throwing more money and more names at a problem that really can't be solved in the short term. So if you take that view, you say, okay, bring in somebody who understands that they're part of a club long-term, perhaps not head coach long-term, but at least look after them. That might be best. Um it's, it's very, very hard to say. Very hard to say. I don't, I don't think Tedesco is the answer, but I, perhaps it is what will happen. You know, my thought is almost, um, 
this might sound, this is maybe the one positive about this. I think that someone like Berdeev, who you, who you just mentioned, right? With his 3-5-2 defensive minded approach is not necessarily the right coach for Spartak, but he's the right coach for this league. And I think you could say that something very similar about Domenico Tedesco, that his, his tactical approach, his defensive first mindedness, um, players buying into a system, um, suits the, would suit the Russian Premier League very well. It's just, so it's like the right coach for the right league, but the wrong club, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, uh, I, think a, I, think, I think I think there is there is sense to that. I think he, well, I mean, now that he's managed in the Champions League and has managed a huge club like Schalke, he's not likely to accept a job much below the top clubs in the Russian Premier League. But the problem being, I think, is that I don't think many clubs in the top five would would want him for their style anyway. Um, as you know, a side that is pushing up from mid-table to try and challenge the top five or six might be better suited to his style. But then his, well, his, I say his stature, he's a young coach in the game, um, obviously. But, you know, with his, what, what he's had already, I don't think he would take much less than a top five club. So I think in, he's caught in a limbo when it comes to Russian Premier League opportunities almost. Yeah. Tim, you wanted to add something? I just wanted to add that uh, this all has been rumors. Uh, Dominico Tedesco is the main rumor right now. But again, we don't know because it's really hard to predict. Leonid Fidum is known for his really um, uh, sporadic change of mood. And he is a very influenceable man. And um, we have... because. I think it was 14 days ago, maybe 19 days ago, he gave, he gave an interview that uh, Alek Konnov has his full credibility and he will work till the end of calendar year. Uh, no no question asked. <laughs> and then the next game they lose, the Konnov is out of job. So it's... Uh, Lenin Fidum can be influenced by so many people. To me, the most disappointing part for me is there's no strategy. Mm. Uh, Massimo Karema, who, who won the league, he wasn't an appointed coach. He was just a defensive coach who lucked out, um, was in the right place, who did his job, and he won the league. It wasn't a, a planned strategy move. Then it was uh, Raul Rianchi who was uh, who was in a job for one month as an assistant, but he was for such a long time for an interim coach just because they fired my Massimo Carrera and they didn't have another options. They have a few different options. There was no radio option right now. Same story right now. Uh, Alek Kononov was fired. Four games in a row, you lose. You fire the coach. Again, there's no obvious solution. And it just it just shows what kind of... I won't say it's a mess, but it's lack of strategy. And that's what makes me mostly unhappy. Not even the four losses in a row of the firing of um, Alek Kononov, which I'm actually happy about. But uh, just complete lack of strategy. I, 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 I like what you, Mano, described. I don't see how the Dominique Tedesco is a part of overall uh, strategy. <clears throat> Honestly, like he is not the guy who like really like they, they brought all those new players. Are they really fit his system? Uh, it, like you know the players like Ponce, like Larson, Atil, like they all kind of attacking minded players. And you bring a defensive coach, uh, if if that's if those rumors are true. Complete lack of strategy, that's what kind of disappoints me the most. And I don't want to be completely negative about Fidun because he spent so much money, he built us the stadium, but I don't understand how that works. 
I know strategy and yeah, so this is where we are at this point, I guess. That's what you get when you have a trigger happy Russian oligarch as your owner. Exactly. Can yeah, think of a exactly. couple other clubs that have those issues. But <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, 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 yeah. A, that's a story for a different time and maybe a different podcast. Um, but yeah, um, that's just how it is. But boys, I think that pretty much wraps up the, we're going to talk about the Spartak result in a moment as well, but that wraps up the, you know, um, coaching, coaching situation. I know it's a little bit of a big news subject for the short news section. But that's just how it is. Um, a bit of a shorter news, Andrew Mamayev, our little jailbird, he got a new club. Yeah, he certainly has, certainly has. Uh, it's actually, it makes a, a lot of sense. Um, Pavel Mamayev was unveiled on the pitch for Rostov's last game. Um, and of course, like, um, uh, like his best buddy, Alexander Kukorin, he won't be able to play until January when they can, when he can be registered in the squad again. But, that's actually, I think, a good situation. His future is now decided in the short term, or medium term at least. He's got a few months to get up, get back up to full fitness, um, get to know the squad. It's a relaxed approach for him, which I think is the best thing. You don't want it to be instantly high profile after his indiscretions last, last autumn. And now he's joining a side that are very upwardly mobile. Um, Valeri Karpin has really got, uh, got Rostov playing some entertaining football. They've got, He's got a striker to feed endless passes to who's on form in Eldor Shomorodov. He's got an experienced bunch of teammates around him. Alexei Yonov's in on good form. Valen Popov, um, Matthias Norman. I mean, it's a really, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. And, and it is just down the road from where he was at Krasnodar anyway as well. So I think he's landed on his feet, to be honest with you. Um, we mentioned in the last pod, um, possibly even Ahmad Grozny as an option. That, you know, having brought in, uh, Denis Grushikov, bit of experience, Ivanov in the midfield there too, but I mean, they're right down in the relegation zone and they've got their own troubles, of course. So I, I think to, to, to be signed by Rostov makes sense for Rostov to get another experienced head in there, really creative player. He will fit into their system, which doesn't depend as much on pace for attack as, as others do, perhaps. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 good. It's a good ending all round, should we say, to the jailbird story. And I hope he takes this, what could be his last opportunity, really. Uh, I hope he takes it seriously, and, and I get the suspicion that he will do. Uh, the best thing about uh, him joining Rostov, there's no high speed trains to uh, Moscow, Andrew. <laughs> I tell, I tell you, there is one thing though. There is one thing though, Manny. They have the the best brand new high speed motorway in in Russia between Krasnodar and Rostov. So you may swap it for for a car or a bus or something. So we may not be out in the woods just yet. <laughs> How's the nightlife in uh, Rostov, Tim? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I've never been. I heard it's amazing. I know that uh, Rostov uh -oh. girls are absolutely beautiful. He is a married man, but uh, you know, I'm not the one to suggest anything. But uh, I know that it, it, it is a um, very, you know, it's it's a it's a southern city. It's it's yeah. The, the, I know that the the life is there fun. So we will see. We will see. Uh -oh. I'm person. I'm personally very excited, and um, I want to take a little bit different angle on this news. I just want to say what kind of an amazing job Rostov is doing as a club. After Kurban Berdyev left, and they really had big issues with money, 
they somehow sorted it out and <clears throat> they're I'm a big fan of Valery Karpin. He is one of my favorite, well, players, people in, in, in Russian football. Obviously, I'm biased because he is a very Spartak man. But um, as he grew as a player, oh, sorry, as a coach, and uh, people who also make decisions in Rostov are just uh, fantastic decisions. Uh, they made, uh, you know, they brought in Yeryomenko and Popov uh, from Spartak and both are performing absolutely fantastically uh, and uh, both players get uh, full full credibility from, from the coach. Also um, Ionov who's supposed to go to Sochi and to be probably the ninth person uh, to join um, to join the, uh, the Sochi club but uh, he's performing again great and he's playing for the national team. I'm just very very excited it's just, it's just they give those chances to the players who have some experience but maybe didn't show their ideal quality in the recent seasons. And my mind is such a perfect fit in that story that based on the previous examples of Yeryomin Kapapov, Ionov, all those players, how they really brought up their level, I think that Mamayev will be a success at Rostov. And I agree with Andrew that it's a perfect decision. He will train with the team for now then goes on a winter break, trains more, gets his physical condition, and I think he will be a viable um, player for Rostov uh, in the coming second half of the season. A bit precursor of what we're going to talk in in a moment, right? The the league table. Um, Rostov is third, two points behind league leaders, CSKA Moscow. Yeah, they're having a very good year. Exactly. I think Valery Karpin, I'm I'm 100% with you, Tim. Um, that's potentially a coach that Spartak should be looking into, but yeah. That's, exactly. That's exactly. maybe another, again, another different story because I, this is the second year in a row he's done a very good job at this club. You know, exactly. even, even if they don't finish in that top five, they will definitely finish, um, in the top half of the table, which is, which is a fantastic result for them. Yeah. And I won't be surprised if they finish at, at this point in top five, which will mean yeah. Europe for them. And, um, yeah, but, uh, if I were Valer Karpin, why would I go to a very successful project, which is working, to a complete mess in Spartak, uh, which is a mid-table team right now? So, yeah, I, if I were Valery Karpin, as much as I like Spartak, I would probably stay with Rostov. Yeah, Rostov always uh, baffles me because like, because of the bad situation that they were in. And, you know, the situation still isn't easy for them to become a club that's, that's actually, in terms of management, is very well run. You know, this financial aspects aside, their, their player decision making is very good. Um, their player acquisition is very good and the coaching is very good and has been for, for many, many years now. Um, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating club overall. And I think if you cop in, you don't necessarily want to leave that. Exactly, uh, exactly. And just, just one quickly, I let one last thing. Also, it, it goes to Valeria Karpin that. Uh, both Ionov and Yeromenka said that we spoke to the coach and he convinced us that we are needed here because Yeromenka has a, had an offer from Lakmatif. So, like you said, a good good run club. Sorry, okay, let's move on. Sorry. Yeah, let's move on to uh, a club that's not so well run um, because they are second last in the league standing um, ahead of poor Tampov, who we did not expect to do very much anyways this year. That's Ahmad Krosny. Um, Ahmad Krosny. I actually said this right, right? Yeah, it's Ahmad, not Tarek. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, they fired Rashid Rahimov, Andrew. Um, yeah. I saw a tweet, yeah. I saw a tweet from one of my Russian friends with a picture of Rashid Rahimov saying, Rashid Rahimov is gone. Down you go to the FNL, Ahmad. 
thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's going to take quite a quite a significant turnaround, a miracle even, for them to to get back up into mid table, which is pretty much where they've lived in the top flight without really threatening to do much more than that. Um, the problem. Well, I say the problem, that you cannot possibly make it about one single problem. There are so many at, at Akma. On paper, they should, and I, know, I hate that phrase on paper, but it's, you, you, you can't get around the fact that they have a squad that should be doing so much better. They've got an experienced midfield. And I actually said beginning of the season, I thought um, the Rusikov-Ivanov uh, link-up in the centre would be a really good one for them. Um, Abla and Benga front's got a bit of pace, and they, they've only scored seven goals all season. And that is fairly, fairly depressing. Uh, Igor Shalimov, I, I personally, I can't stand the man after he took over Himki and, um, was complicit in them influencing referees in the Fennel against Tumen, shall we say? But that's just a personal side. Um, I, I, he, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to stop banging that drum, I'll be honest. But Terry, they're in a, they're on a downward spiral. They, they got, uh, they haven't got any wins in the last five. And the other thing I'd say is you've got to look at the teams around them. Dinamo Moscow are the team above them. And yes, they are also struggling with goals, but they have a much more um, complete squad about them. And they have the resources to do something about it. I really don't see Dinamo staying um, staying where they are, or certainly not dropping any lower. Um, Rubin Kazan, yes, they're on a dreadful run of form, but... They are at least a little more financially stable. And I, I, I don't see them struggling a lot more than they are now. Even Tambov. I mean, we say we expect them to be bottom. They are bottom. But they are only one point behind Akhmat. And yes, they will be relatively, relatively happy to get anything more than bottom two. But where are, where are Akhmat going to gain places? I don't, I don't actually see it. Even Krulia Sovietov of Alexander Sobolev banging in goals still. Orenberger are very well, well put together side without any major stars. So I think Akhmat are in real trouble. And if they did go down, this is where you can start seeing, you talk about mad owners with Leonid Fatoun. Well, um, hmm. how about a certain Mr. Kadarov in charge of Akhmat? Um, I wonder whether he would throw his toys out the pram and, Make some crazy decisions about the club. I, d- I don't know. I think it's. I oh. think it's. I think they're in serious trouble. Oh, this is beautiful. This could unravel so quickly, right, Tim? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with Andrew. Yeah, because it's really, and I'm surprised because Rashid Rahimov he was successful with them in the past. To be quite honest, I don't know what's. I, to be honest, I haven't watched too much of them, so I do not know what is going on inside. But I'm surprised because Rashid Rahim was an experienced coach, so I don't know really what's coming from. But um, yeah, that's that's interesting. So we'll see how Shalima. And to be honest, I I don't. I'm really curious why why the answer in this situation is Shalima. I don't know. Oh, it's it's it's, it's Chechnya though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, boys, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll throw out my theory. Um, as I referenced earlier, perhaps Ahmed realized their only hope of getting up is by cough, <coughs> cough, influencing certain outcomes. Um, and Shalimov is certainly very good at that. So perhaps that's their, their angle. Oh, dear. Yeah. And we know how uh, they're, um, well, so how different members of their management 
like to take the microphone and stand in the middle of the game, starts yelling and some abusive uh, things towards the referees. And uh, that's uh, interestingly, that's quite consistent that way they do that. And they've been uh, fined for that in humorous times. Uh, and Ahmad, hasn't Karimov also stormed the, the dressing room of the referees at one point? I think it was their, uh, like his second ha right, right, right hand man, but it's pretty much the same, same, same thing. So yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. This, this is going to be gorgeous. I, I think this situation will just unravel. We will have to keep an eye on this. This is going to be some mad Caucasian football going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so potential bombshells at, in Chechnya, eh? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, also, I don't know, again, I don't want to, I haven't heard, like, obviously this, but there's some rumors that also Shalimov um, enjoys a drink sometimes, and Chechnya is really, like, you know, religious place, so that will be also interesting for me. So we will see how that pans out. So, so Ahmad will be an interesting uh, team to watch out for the rest of the season. Oh, man. Uh, Andrew, you want to add something final on this um, on this Ahmad story? <laughs> well, I, I would say this. I mean, much as we've been saying everything negative about Ahmad, they are an entertaining off-the-pitch club, at least. Um, when I went to visit earlier this year, the, the it's a very strange place, Grozny. It's the very centre. is so luxurious, so, you know, Shalimov will enjoy that. But there's so much that is just papered, so many cracks that are papered over. Um, in the city. It is a focal point because there aren't many focal points for entertainment, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, it's a, it's a, I don't want to be stereotypical here, but it is a repressive atmosphere there. So the football club is, if anything, a bit of a release. Um, and I don't want to see them fold completely. I don't want to see them just tail out of all existence. Um, but Shalimov, if he pulls it off, then I'm not going to give him any credit because I'm not going to, but, um, I, I think at least it will be saving an entertaining club at least. Okay. Um, yeah, the, these, I, I really highly recommend anyone to read the article that's up on Football Grad, the one that you wrote on, on Grozny, um, and Chechnya in general and the club. Um, you know, it's, it's some very good background reading, I think, on, on the club and the political situation and, yeah, uh, Chechnya as a whole. So, um, really, really think it's a, it's a, it's a required read for anyone interested in the club. Um, boys, let's talk about a little bit about this, this league table. Tim, um, you wanted to touch on this result that Spartak result that led to the ultimate firing of Arkononov. Um, 2-1 defeat to Orenburg. Now nine points off, um, a European spot. Yeah. This is not good. Yeah, this is not good at all. And uh, yeah, Spartak 14 points. Sorry, it's got the leaders at 25, 11 points difference, and we we over uh, one third of the of the of the league. But then also something interesting that we um, been lucky as well. I'm not a neutral, but. Um, we have probably a lot of neutral listeners uh, to this podcast, that we have four teams on 23 points. So it's kind of 25 on the first place. And then we have Lokomotiv, Rostov, Krasnodar, and Zenit, uh, all four teams on 23 points. Just as a reminder for the listeners that the first two teams go, as of right now, straight to the Champions League group. The third one plays the playoff, and then the places four, five, and six have a different uh, start in Europa League. So we have, at this point, pretty much, Five teams in it, Krasnodar, Lokomotiv, the Rostov and CSKA, all going from the first place to the fifth place. 
and it's going to be interesting table. And all teams are performing pretty, like I would say, equally well. Have their, you know, they're all doing obviously well because, but at the same time, you can see uh, that they can uh, take uh, points off each other. So this is going to be so far. I think it's been recently one of the most interesting seasons because in the past we usually had one or two, maybe three uh, competitors. Now we have five teams who can win the league. Yeah, that is. I, I mean, when you look at that table, Andrew. It's so tight. And, you know, when you look at Spartak having dropped out of that standing, can you see any one of those teams dropping enough? They're all going to drop points, of course, because it's only a 16-team league, right? And if you have five teams, they're bound to play each other um, quite a lot. Um, but can you see any one of the, the, the clubs up there drop enough points to Spartak to make up the gap? Uh, yeah, I, Tim, I'm really sorry, buddy, but I, I, I don't. I mean, I'd love to be positive and say Sparta got a chance, but I think that top five <laughs> is pretty solid for this season. Um, it, it's not really so much about, I mean, if anybody has the potential to, um, then Sparta are obviously that club you'd look to emerge from the middle pack. But, I mean, we're talking eight points down um, to Ufa, but that's the other point. It's to Ufa. My club, Ural, have no hope of ever keeping a solid defence, so they're always going to drop more than your average amount of points just from that alone. Arsenal Tula are nothing like the side that we saw last season, and they're only just averaging just over one goal a game this season. See, they got the three teams, um, other than Spartak in that sort of next chasing pack, are, are really not much. They're, they're all punching above their weight as it is, I would say. Um and below them, well, I mean, Sochi are starting to look a lot more confident. I think they'll be safe in mid-table. Um, Dynamo Moscow will surely start climbing the table. But I think that's it, really. I, I don't think there's anybody who's going to close that gap. Um, so, no, I, I, that's the top five sorted for me, basically, for the rest of the season. Well, it's October and we know the top five. What we don't know is going who's going to win the, the title of that top five. Um, I mean, my favourite is still Sinead. But CSKA, league leaders, Andrew, um, you saw them, obviously, on the weekend because, you know, they did beat up your side, Oral, 3-0. Um, is, is this going to be sustainable for them? I think long term, they are, I'd say, alongside, but in Krasnodar's, they need to stand out as the top two. They were all of our favourites beginning of the season. But if anybody else is going to challenge them long term, I think CSKA are the most sustainable because, they have now had this group together for uh, for a season. They reconstructed a course last summer massively, and and they hit the ground running. But they've hit the ground running for a whole season. They've got an extra year on top of that. They've got a lot of youth in that squad, and the youth is being trusted. And they've had a lot of injuries this season. Don't forget, in the last two or three weeks, they've had almost their entire defence outage, and they've well, I won't say completely coped. Um, the Europa League result was utterly disastrous, but they are looking, they're looking very dangerous. I think they, I, I still agree with you. I think Zanit will win the title still. Um, but if anybody can challenge seriously to them or Krasada, it'll, it'll be Ceska. But then again, the top five are very close. They really genuinely are, not just on points, but I genuinely think on performance. It would be harsh to say that Rostov are the weakest of the five because they have been on such dangerous form, but they have shown a few cracks here or there. They've conceded the most of the top five. So to say Rostov are the weakest of the top five, 
probably is true, but it's very harsh. So I think it is sustainable to answer your question, Manu. And I hope they, I hope they do um, continue in a strong vein of form because I like how they've rebuilt um, not just their youth development, their recruitment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think CSKA, I mean, in general, a very well-run club, right? Um, in, in terms that we all knew that last year they committed to a rebuild, um, made a lot of very tough decisions in terms of players that they brought in and players they lost. They went from one of the oldest and most experienced sides to the youngest and basically um, handed off a Champions League spot as a result, right? But I think it was very much by design. And that is impressive you know to, to say the least even if they don't win the, the, the title they, there seems to be a clear strategy there right um yeah. and that's maybe something that sep- separates them a little bit tim from from another moscow club um that we just talked about a little bit earlier uh, yeah so this guy is a very very well-run club i'm still amazed about that rebuild which you mentioned and like you said, it was it was such a well job done because they they let go well. They, you know, Berezovsky brothers, Ignashevich uh, finished. They sold uh, a few other uh, key players, and they hired um, and they um, they you know they like you said they went from the oldest side to the to the youngest side pretty much. And they are still doing it. They had a very successful, well, very successful. They they were last in the group, but they had a very important for probably the forming of the team uh, away victory in Real Madrid, three uh, nothing. And then um, I think it's again for those young players, it's such a big boost, pretty much emotional in terms of like experience uh, that yes, you can do. And we can see that those players who they brought in are growing. Uh, Ahmetov, who is their key player, is now becoming one of the uh, important players for the Russian national team. Ablakov is becoming, again, who uh, transferred from Ufa, is also becoming an important player. So you can see that they're now forming and getting a little bit more experience. And um, for, for me, just going back to that really tight uh, table, to me, all the teams are really interesting. CSKA has this rebuilt and they keep producing. Lokomotiv uh, just really continuously playing fairly ugly uh, football under Yuri Sermin getting the result. Uh, Rostov, we talked about them, how they well run and how they develop players and what an amazing job Valery Karpin is doing. Krasnodar also went very, very strong because they wanted to um, to be successful and get to the group of Champions League and they also um, uh, did good transfers and obviously then we have Zenit, which is like wow, the wealthiest team. So I don't, I have no idea. Like, mm-hmm. Andrew mentioned that Rostov might be the, the weakest link. I don't, I don't think, I don't even know. I think, I think all those five teams will be taking points of each other and I think it will be a very interesting league. Mm. Yeah. I mean, one example is the, the result between Sinead and, uh, Lokomotiv, yes. right? Lokomotiv For- taking three points of Sinead, a uh, 1-0, 1-0 okay. result. That's a very good example right there. Very good example. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, good actually that we're going, that I mentioned this because, um, those two teams are also in the Champions League. Um, Zenit, of course, play Benfica today as we record this. Um, wanna touch about, on them in just a moment. But Tim Lokomotiv, um, I, I focused on a different game that took place in North London last night because for the ICC had to do a match report on <laughs> Bayern against Tottenham. Uh, rather enjoyed that ride up. I'm not gonna lie, but um, I did see the the locomotive result. Um, you know, a, as the ticker goes throughout the game, um, locomotive 
fall to Atletico Madrid 3-0. I mean, this is not a huge surprise, is it? Absolutely no, no, no. And uh, I think it's a fair game when we saw the group uh, in, uh, in for Lokomotiv. We, we always said that they would have to fight this by Leverkusen for the third spot. Honestly, like it will be very, very hard to play against Atletico and Juventus, two very experienced sides. With all respect to Lokomotiv, they obviously can't really compete in any case with those two teams. Their main result was uh, the last match date when they won away at the Leverkusen. And um, if everything goes well, they, you know, they, they can still get that um, the, the Europa League uh, place. And I think, you know, like, I won't be surprised with that, you know, defensive approach that uh, Lokomotiv potentially could do well in Europa League. So, mm. no, no no, surprise at all. Like, Atletico is a phenomenal side compared to Lokomotiv. Even they have a bit of a trouble in La Liga and going through a slight rebuild. So, but I think I think there's no shame in losing Atletico. And like you said, it, it, it was a very, very dull game because as we know how Atletico plays and very, you know, organized defensively, but Lokomotiv even more duller team to watch. So, I don't probably not the most interesting match to, to watch. You probably made the right choice in terms of mm-hmm. seeing nine goals in, in, in London. Uh, but uh, I think it's no shame for Lokomotiv to lose at uh, one of the best sides in Europe. Yeah, I, I think that's quite all right. Um, Andrew, we watched the game together, and I say we watched it together because we chatted throughout it on WhatsApp. And um, this game, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk against Atalanta, Shakhtar Donetsk actually winning this game um, very, 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 very late. I mean, um, there were three minutes on the board, and they scored in the fourth minute of extra time. So, whew, they left it late, but it's a very big three points for them. But the main discussion point for me on this is because we chatted about this. When are Schachter finally going to get a goalkeeper? It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> they desperately need one. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Atalanta are one of the most intriguing clubs of the last year or two um, for me with their their system, a three four three system. It's very very hard to pick up their players. And uh, oh, Mister Piatov, he um, on paper. Oh, God, I said it again. I've got to stop saying on paper. But you look at Piatov. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of appearances in Europe. Um, he's an international keeper. You know, he should be able to make sensible decisions. And he, he still can't judge crosses. Um, and I, I don't, I don't really know where to, where to start with him because you look at counter-attacking football. Shakhtar are absolutely phenomenal. Um, especially away from home in Europe, like they proved, like they proven today, uh, last night. Sorry. Um, and I think, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Shakhtar should really um, be extremely confident now after that result because they, they've they proven that they've got the pace uh, that they can hurt teams on the break. Dinamo Zagreb should be a beatable side and they should be looking for, for well, to be honest, they should be looking for six points there. Um, and then the, the options are open for them. 
I was really pleased actually with um, with how with how Shakhtar played because it's it's about time that they get some recognition for their their utter dominance of Ukraine. Mm. Um, they're what now ten points clear, I think it is. Yeah. Is it after nine games, something like that? Utterly ridiculous dominance, and it's. They they ought to be getting knockout football more regularly. So I think they've got a really good chance this year. I think they made the right coaching decision to to go from um, Fonseca, who of course you know sooner or later he was going to go to a bigger European league just because of how talented he is. I mean he went to Roma, and uh, bringing in uh, Castro right was a really good decision because he's like it's almost like a seamless transition from them mm. from one coaching philosophy to another. Um, I have a crazy Piatov stat. Andrew, are you ready for this? I, 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 both of you, like, sit down because this will baffle you. Out of 15 penalties he has faced in the Champions League, he has stopped five. Oh, wow. 30%, 32%. Not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess that answers our question on why he, I, I mean, I, I think his, his penalty presence is shocking. Uh, I mean, he, he, <laughs> He's, um, one thing I would say is that I, I was frustrated that the penalty was given last night. In my, in my eyes, it was mm. a, a very poor decision, um, to award the penalty. So I thought it was just deserved. So, um, well then, Mr. Piatov, at least on that, we've got to give him some credit because, uh, you know, he's, he's a very, he's, a, I think he's a good shot stopper. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think he's much else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he does, he does have, Maybe he's a good friend or maybe good father. I, I think he's a good shot stopper and he doesn't take up an international spot. Well, I, th I think, I don't think it'll be too long before he won't be, well, his age alone, but, um, with Lunin coming through, it's, it cannot be long before he's, Piatov yeah. is, um, is, is, is gone for good. I mean, I, it sounds a bit dismissive. He, he, like you say, he does have his qualities, but I think Lunin is far better. Um, as our, our good friend Vadim has said many times, mm. uh, Lunin should already be the Ukrainian number one. I don't think it will be soon. And, no show. and he might be going back to Shakhtar at some point, uh, Ukraine, and then that would be Shakhtar, right? To, to play there. Yeah. So. Could. That's really, I don't think so. So that's like the, the clear line of succession open there. Um, quick guys, thoughts on Zenit against Benfica. Uh, Andrew, I read your match report, your excellent match report, and a shout out to Tom Kundert. From Portugal, um, for, for giving you the information. And, um, you said this was the most winnable game of the bunch. Um, I think I agree with you because Benfica have been horrid in, in the Champions League in the last few years. This, this is, yeah. this is, this, is, this is a must three points for them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, for, for Benfica to lose, um, Jao Felix, um, to Atletico Madrid, is is so hard for anybody to recover from losing such a key player in your in your lineup. And Benfica, you know, I was speaking to Tom and he said the results were good, but the performances have, have not been great. Uh, they only beat Vittoria Setubal 1 0 at the weekend, for example. Um, and for Zanit, from their point of view, after their, I think, a really, really good result away to Olympic Lyon last match day, they've actually now got a platform. I think Zidane probably would have hoped rather than expected to get anything from that game. So now that they have that, I think uh, I, Benfica are by far the weakest team in the group. So they ha absolutely have to get three points just to make sure that they are favourites for at least Europa League football. Um, I mean, Leipzig are 
they they will surely win the group. So I don't again I don't think there's any shame in finishing second to to Leipzig. But now they've got a point away to Leon, beat Benfica at home, hopefully get a result away, and and when Leon comes to St Petersburg, get it get three points there, and Zanit should be able to look at um, second place and get knockout Champions League football for the first time in quite some time. But it starts tonight, and in a way, the only reservation I have is that they must know that there is that pressure on them to get a result, even though it is, a, in, in theory, an easier game. Um, there is that pressure on them to get a result. So we'll see. Uh, I, I do think they will win. I've backed them for a 2-1 win in my preview. And I, I think that's probably about what most people would expect, but they've, got to, they've still got to deliver. Hmm. Yeah, really, really curious. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on the, that result as I'm in, uh, at the Red Bull Arena today to see Leipzig against Lyon. Um, Tim, the Europa League on Thursday, CSKA against Espanyol, Krasnodar against Getafe, Spanish weeks in Russia. Um, that's going to be two, some very, two interesting games. Well, I just really hope that the Russian club don't concede the combined 10 goals in mm. those two matches like they did originally. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, those both teams have to come back because, um, both clubs, hope of continuing their trip to playoff uh, from the group. Hitafe um, and Espalion has just a horrific start to the season. They're a pretty good side, but they yeah, they haven't been doing very well in La Liga, so that's the, that's obviously good. Hitafe uh, is obviously an unexperienced team in Europe, where the team which doesn't have a big squad, and which it will be very, very tough for them to compete on both fronts. So, like, I really hope that both Russian clubs will come back with three points, because they need to recoup from those uh, horrible uh, match, days, uh, match day one games. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I know you You wrote the preview, the preview on uh, Espanol already, and I'm pretty sure you're working on Getafe previously. What's what's your thoughts on these two matches? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's an absolutely essential game for both of them um, already. Having those two dreadful results in the first match, they which nobody expected. I really did expect both of them to already have three points on the board. Um, they cannot afford to drop. I, it sounds dramatic after only one match day, but they can't afford to drop more points. Um, given that they're both both at home, uh, I'm more concerned about Krasnodar at home to Getafe because um, Getafe are an extremely well organised side. Um, uh, they have conceded a few goals recently, but they only Atletico Madrid conceded fewer goals than Getafe last season in La Liga, and and they are a side with very few resources. So they're very very well drilled. So Krasnodar are going to have to be they're going to have to be alert to make sure they are not frustrated. Um, Espanyol, I think Tesco really, really should be, should be beating. They are struggling a lot this season. And it, it, to be fair to Espanyol, they are very unlikely to get back into Europe given the strength of La Liga, um, anytime soon. But it's really important. It, you know, if, if, if either, either Tesco or Canastanar drop points, then they're actually in real danger of, um, of possibly mm. not even making, Uh, the knockouts of the Europa League, and that's the at least the consolation of not being Champions League, as we know. So, uh, and it's important for the um, UEFA coefficients. I just add that's a little side note. Yeah. Um, Portugal are within two coefficient points, I believe. Um, so, you know, as long as Russia get those two teams through, then should keep their five European places. But a lot rides on this week. Yeah, definitely an interesting week coming up, um, and we have, of course, the the previews for all the European matches. Um, either up or on the way of being uploaded and um, put on the homepage. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye out on that. Um, 
it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, guys, that pretty much sums it up for me, for us this week. Tim, um, what do you have to pluck? Well, the the usual stuff. I'm uh, I've been glued to the Twitter and to Telegram, just reading different news uh, about uh, the potential new Spartak coaches. Uh, so people can follow me on uh, Twitter at RussianTim61 and on Instagram Rocket from Russia. Oh, great stuff, uh, Andrew. How about you? Yeah, just uh, again, mostly uh, more of the usual stuff. More previews coming up, and have uh, I'll have international previews for the international break coming up as well up on on Red. So uh, yeah, and on on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint. So if you can follow my Chumen adventure off to Izhevs this weekend, the glamour, hmm. um, and uh, yeah, like I say, more football bread previews. Yeah, I'm I'm off to uh, Leipzig today. So by the time this podcast comes out, I'm probably going to be napping on a train high-speed train from Munich to Leipzig. Um, the preview on that game is out. Uh, Chris wrote that um, yesterday. It's on Fußballstadt.com and the previews for the CSKA, uh, the Zenit game is also out. That's on footballgrad.com. The Europa League previews are going to come out all today. Um, all of them. The other games that we cover. So you can also find those uh, at footballgrad live on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at ManoWF. I um, had the honor to to break the story that ESPN is going to be the new home of the Bundesliga in the United States. So that article is up on my Forbes page. Um, there will be a, a very interesting interview coming up on Forbes as well. I spoke to Lutz Pfannenstiel in great length um, this week. So that is an article I'm still going to write up about his work at Fortuna Düsseldorf. And yeah, much more to come. So you can follow all of that at ManoWF. Guys, that's it. Full hour done. Until next week, das Vidanje. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.